0: Money FM 89.3, best of weekends.
1: What are the salient developments and shifts in political sentiment here in Singapore since the election last year. We are so lucky to have two amazing guests on now, Kevin Wial Tan, one of Singapore's leading scholars of constitutional law and legal history, adjunct professor at NUS and visiting professor at uh, Nanyang Technological University, written over 50 books, and Terence Lee, associate professor of communication at Murdoch University in Perth, Australia. Gentlemen, welcome to Money FM Saturday morning. Great to have you with us. Thank you very much, Dan. Thank you. Yep, yeah.
2: yeah. thank you. Well, you thank you Glenn it. and
0: meet you. Me yep. Yeah. Good, Good to have you here. You have this new book out which I think Glenn has there, yeah. Voting in a Time of Change.
1: And Kevin, why don't we start with you? Give us kind of an yeah. overview of of what you found uh, your research and writing this book about what we have experienced since uh, the, in recent GEs.
3: Well, I, I think I should start by saying that this is, in fact, the third of uh, our books uh, mm. with me working with Terence, uh, analysing general elections in Singapore since 2011. Okay. Uh, 2011, of course, was uh, uh, Terence is showing... Uh, both, both, both uh, of the uh, books. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. So and the, you both, uh, and you so, both have so, a few so,
1: books behind you as well on the shelves. Yeah, <laughs>
3: that's right. <yeah. laughs> the perils of being an academic.
1: I guess yeah, uh, right. so, Sorry, carry on. Yeah,
3: so, so what we tried to do in the very first uh, volume and has continued till the very the present one uh, has been to bring together scholars from different fields of endeavor so rather than have just sort of say one political scientist analyze the results of one election or one journalist so you've got Uh, Accounts by various people. So, Bertha Hansen, for example, has one book out on the 2020 GE. Bilbya Singh has a book out and so on. We thought we'd bring together groups of people with specialisations to talk about various issues. So, for example, in this particular election, which was very much a digital election, given the COVID Mm. restrictions Mm. and so on, we, we brought on board, you know, two authors who studied the digital space and to try and understand how the digital space was used Used and how effectively hmm. it was used by the respective political parties in advancing their particular agendas and their programs and platforms.
0: And, and maybe so that's can, what we tried to do. Okay, maybe I can jump in here. Ask this one to Terence. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. live in senkang so senkang of course, was one of the the surprising elements of that particular yeah. general election. That's obviously the, the one that leaps to mind. What were some of the surprises, the shocks that stood out for you guys in your research looking at? What happened? And, and of course, don't forget that the change arguably began, uh, began in 2011. So there's an argument to be made that this was a continuation right. of it. Mm, but yes. what, Terence, were some of the changes that stood out for you? Look, I think, I think you hit
2: the nail on the head. Senkang was clearly a surprise to, to many people, you know, with, the, with last year's general election. But at the same time, you know, if we understand the way in which the geographical boundaries or rather the constituencies work in Singapore... Um, you will find that the good part of Khan already, in some ways, the ground in which the Workers' Party in particular have been working on. So, so in that regard, you know, it's not a huge surprise as such as made up by the media. But, but nevertheless, winning a GRC in the context of Singapore is a big deal. It's a big deal, right? Starting from way back in 2011. So, so I think that's clearly one of those. Um, the other, the other show, if you like, that was happening was um, Tan Cheng with his PSP team, you know, there were a lot of manoeuvres out there. And one of, the, one of the big questions, if you recall, about a year ago now, would be whether Lee you know, Se-Long's brother was going to be putting his hand in the fray. So I think that was the other one that people were watching. So there were two shows happening, you could say, a year ago.
1: All right. We're talking with Kevin Tan and Terrence Lee, both editors of Voting in a Time of Change, their new book on GE 2020. And uh, Kevin, you you talked about some of the changes or the, the, the shifts because of this uh, digital election that we had. Uh, m- media played a bigger role. And yet at the same time, we had COVID happening and there, there was a lot of tension around the election, when it, when it, where, when it should be held, etc., Based on the extenuating circumstances, how much impact did you guys find that had on GE 2020 or did you find it it didn't have any at all?
3: Well, actually, the the, the impact uh, suggested that uh, this was a tailor-made election for the People's Action Party. The voter trends in the past have always shown that whenever there is a crisis, whenever there is uncertainty, there is a so-called flight to safety. In other words, uh, you go with somebody who's tried and trusted, Mm -hmm. somebody who's been fair, who has a a long uh, sort of a, a history of performance ability. But what happened was, uh, something that was quite opposite, right? So instead of not only just maintaining one GRC and one SMC, the opposition snared another, SM, uh, another GRC. So what does that suggest to you about the changing phase of voters in Singapore? We keep talking about this thing called generational shift. And the generational shift doesn't pertain just to the age of the voters, it also pertains to the change in the ger- generations of leaders in the various political parties, as well as the voters' ability or tendency to track materials and information that they need to make their decisions yeah. online. So yeah. this this changed the complexion of everything. And I kind of want to go back to Neil's question about Sengkang. Mm. We were, we were we were all surprised. But after the election, when you started to analyse what was actually going down on the ground in Sengkang and looking specifically at the geographical boundaries that had been redrawn, or rather the electoral boundaries that had redrawn, as Terence suggested, there was in mm-hmm. fact already a pretty strong base that the Workers' Party was working from. Now, you had another uh, a number of things in the generational change that worked in favour of the opposition in Sengkang. The first one is that it is a housing estate that is relatively new Mm. in a sense that the voting population tended to be younger. Younger They tended to be families uh, with rather young children. So the the, the voter profile is a little bit different. Their concerns Mm. are a little bit different from, say, if you were going to Tobayo, Mm. which is a much older constituency where the average age of residents in Tobayo would be probably touching the 50s, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, 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 that kind of profile. And so the concerns and the interests of young voters are rather different from those of the older voters. I'm not suggesting, of course, that you can categorize them Accordingly, but there are tendencies, so younger voters, what would they be interested in? Of course, they are interested in uh, bread and butter issues, day to- day issues where, where, where are their children going to go to school? Are there you know sufficient childcare facilities within my constituency? Uh, is there a place where I can take my children to play? that sort of thing on a day by day to day basis, but also larger issues which resonate with younger voters such as equality, um, fairness such as diversity and inclusiveness. And so that, I think, made a difference because if, if you know that that's your voter profile and that they would be interested, say, in diversity, then the last thing you would do, which is what the PAP did, is to field an all-male uh, slate of candidates. Mm. I mean, that, that, that I, w- I would suggest, was not the wisest thing to do. Uh, I would say, well, you know, if you're looking at that kind of voter profile, you maybe want to make sure that at least, right, symbolically, you have that kind of diversity in the slate of candidates that you offer. So that's just one aspect of it. So I think the the generational shift has to do with leadership changes, has to do with voter profiles, as well as the changing interests and priorities afforded to these various factors by the younger uh, voter profile.
0: Well let's talk about some of those changing priorities. There's no doubt there's only one priority at the moment for the whole population, young or old and that's COVID-19 and if you look at the other parts of the world, to use football parlance, you know there's other countries that have had a bad COVID and Singapore government, let's be very frank, has had a relatively good COVID, you know they've seen as many countries as the gold standard, it's not a moniker I'm particularly happy about but if you look at the public profiles of the likes of Finance Minister Lawrence Wong, Health Minister Ong Ye Kung, there's no doubt that their profiles have risen in the last year or so because they sit on the task force, the, the COVID task force. They're in our, te- they're on our television screens almost every other day now. How do you think that has changed their profiles when you look in the context of future potential leaders? of the People's Action Party. I don't know, maybe Terence on, uh, sorry, uh, Terence on that one first?
2: Yeah, I think you, you, you touch on the chapter I wrote in the book about uh, the transition to the 4G um, leadership. I mean, on, on, on that note, uh, it's interesting. I mean, I wrote in that chapter before Swee Kiev decided to pull out of that, you know, prime minister designate position. So everything I've written has already come true. Um, much quicker than i anticipated so um which is a really interesting one to to note but look i i i think that there is a concerted effort and new year spot on there there's a concerted effort in for lack of a better word take advantage of the COVID situation that is in and everyone else is in to raise the profile as you put it of our uh, prospective future leaders they may not It's only one position for prime minister so they they're not all going to be the prime minister right? but to raise the profile and to instill a degree of confidence for Singaporeans and, and non-Singaporeans as well um, about the future of Singapore. So, so I think that, that that is rather opportunistic in some ways, but you can understand that as well. It's a given. So look, it's, it's good, but at the same time, what I think the, um, the government's not privy to is the fact that any failures would be writ large, It's made larger than it would otherwise be in a non-COVID um, environment. So it's it's an interesting um, look. Everything happens with you know with, on both sides of the equation. So so I think that that's an interesting one to watch. And and my sense is that Singaporeans are actually watching every bit of it. I mean, if you follow a bit of social media, which I have to because I'm not in Singapore, you 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 pick up you know a lot of accolades as well as um, you know complaints about the performance of different. Ministers, um, I mean, just just recently, when you had Ong Eng speaking about the racism issue that's emerged in Singapore, or rather, the discussion that's emerged, you know, you get questions about: Isn't he the health minister? Shouldn't this be someone else's um, conversation to have? So, look, it's it's an interesting one, and people are reading into those every little bit of twists and turns um, in regards to the prospect of um, future leadership in
1: Singapore. We're speaking with Kevin Wild Tan and. Terrence Lee, both editors of Voting in a Time of Change, a new book looking at uh, GE 2020. And uh, Kevin, if I can just uh, uh, ask you a little bit uh, about something that I I noticed, a statistic I saw that said that there were um, the highest, a record number of female candidates participating in the election, 28 out of 40 candidates elected, making up 29% 29% of parliament including three from the workers party uh, this you talked about shifts earlier on and uh, you know to be fair the people's action party still is you know massively popular uh, they won 83 out of 93 seats um, but with more women coming on what is that what does that look like for the future you talked about some of the issues of family and 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 working and things like that is is this element of female uh, participation, uh, a very important one to keep an eye on for future trends?
3: Well, I'm I'm not sure how important it will be in future, uh, in the sense that uh, there will be increasing pressures to add more females uh, to the political scene. Uh, but I think that if you start removing them, then uh, it will become a, a negative on, on the part of the political party that does this. In terms of representation in our populations, if we want, want to talk about um, uh, gender equality in Singapore, Singapore actually has performed fairly well. Generally speaking, there is pretty good representation of females in almost every sphere except for two. There are two areas where females uh, uh, female representation is way beyond below uh, sort of the norm, and that would be in politics as well as in the top corporate jobs. So these are areas where I think you know half your voters, women, would be looking to see well, what else are you doing about this? And I think Mm -hmm. if you were the leading political party in Singapore, you would you would. Uh, do something about it and set an example uh, for others to follow. And I think uh, that that actually has permeated the ground right It's not just the people's action party. if you look at the opposition, the number of female candidates as well as minority candidates who were uh, fielded has actually increased over over time in the last two elections
0: for sure Can I just follow up on that uh, Kevin and just ask you here we are we've got two white guys talking to two Chinese guys so so we're all very qualified to talk about (laughs) racial privilege but as as COVID-19 hopefully slowly subsides we, we've, we've focused a bit on gender, and that's important, but I think racial equality and racial representation does seem to be a real red-button topic in Singapore right now, yes. right now. You mentioned social media before, Terence. It is the one other yes. issue in the last sort of five or six months that has really fired up the public's uh, attention, and rightly so, and rightly so. As COVID hopefully settles, Terence, do you see racial, the element of race playing a bigger part in politics?
2: Wow. <laughs> that's, that's a big question, Neil. Um, it's, it's a very loaded question in some ways because, um, you know, race has always been almost front and center of life in Singapore. Mm. Uh, you know, it's on your identity card. Um, if you have one, <laughs> um, and it tells you clearly where you belong. If you, if you work in the, any work environment, you contribute, you know, sums of money into a, a, a fund that's meant to benefit your particular race. So you know you can't because of that you, you you can't get through life in Singapore without being aware of racial difference um, and of course you know the PAP kind of brought this to themselves you know I'm, I'm not accusing them of any anything of, of of stalking racism I'm just saying that you know we talk about the prospect of the future prime minister uh, has to be Chinese that's the narrative that comes out of the um, the government um, you it's a matter of time before you know, before these issues pop up again. And, and we're seeing that play out live now in, in so many different ways. I, I wouldn't put it to COVID. I think, you know, that, you know, it's convenient to say, you know, it's time of COVID. Everyone's under some degree of mental anguish or stress. And as a result, you know, these sorts of our primordial instincts emerge. Um I, I think it's, an, it's a conversation that's somewhat overdue and it's good to be out there. I'm actually quite pleased that there's some, meaningful conversations happening right now. Um, and it's good that, you know, the government's um, taking heed of that and attempting to, to deal with some of the issues. But look, it's, it's, I don't think it's going to go away. Um, I think it's, it's there. And I think it's useful to have a mature debate around, you know, what does that mean? Are there policies that uh, we should look at again? Um, I think the ethnic integration one for housing has been one of those that's already been put out there. Um SEP schools, the um special assistant plan schools, uh that so-called you know, so-called gives Chinese some privilege. Um it's an interesting one because I'm actually a minority where I live. Um and you know you you, you start to see that s- similar yet different conversations around notions of white privilege. Um I'm new, you lived in Australia for a bit, and so you understand a little bit about what yeah. what the conversations here like. Um so it's 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 kind of good to see that play out and and it's, it's not helpful, I think, to, to reject any comments that people make by attributing it to critical race theory and other sorts of discourses that happen elsewhere because they're quite different yeah.
1: Good point. Uh, the book is uh, Voting in a Time of Change by uh, Kevin Wildtan and Terence Lee. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time today. Really interesting and we hope to have you on again uh, in, in the future to, uh, to discuss this more It's a topic that never goes away in Singapore, right? So uh, thank you for your time today Thank Thank you. you. Thank you very much. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts
0: at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.